Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that we have together. We thank you for the opportunity to worship together, to sing praise to your name. Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that our, our hope is found in nothing less than your blood and righteousness for us. We celebrate and sing praise to you in these days in which we live. Uh, regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in, Lord, we pray for those who are part of our church, who are not able to be with us today, who are sick. We pray that you might restore them and that you might heal them. We pray for those, Lord, who uh, take care of so many who are sick today and our, our hospital workers in our own church, our nurses and others. We pray for them that they would have strength. We pray for those who join us remotely today who cannot be with us. May you bless them. And here we are, Lord, of us, us, us who gather in this place, we pray that you might help us today to hear your word clearly. I pray for the families of First Baptist Church of Dixon. I pray that we might be families of godliness and that our lives might count for the cause of Christ and people might see in us, in our marriages and in our relationships with our children and grandchildren, the glory of God and the love of Jesus Christ. Teach us today from your word and we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of having the opportunity to be together today to worship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you today. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're a guest with us, we continue to talk these days about what we're calling, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're thinking about how we care for the souls of our children. Those of you who are parents and grandparents, those of you who are joining us online, God bless you. We miss you. We pray for you to be back with us as soon as you can and you feel uh, safe and uh, healthy enough to do so. Uh, may the Lord bless you. We turn today to Proverbs chapter 5 and we look, we'll be looking this week and next week, Lord willing, in Proverbs chapter 5 at two very important truths. We're about to finish our time in talking about how we uh, share with our children these truths and I've only picked 10 of these. Uh, we could have looked at a number of others. Proverbs chapter 1 through 9 is sometimes called a manual for the training of children. And uh, if you're a parent or grandparent, there's lots you can look at in these chapters. I've chosen these 10 because I think they're of great importance. <clears throat> and we left you these uh, handouts outside. You can pick them up if you're interested. Maybe you have a friend you'd like to give it to. Teach your children to fear the Lord. Uh, teach your children to resist the enticements of sin. Teach your children to trust the Lord. Teach your children to treasure God's Word. Teach your children to treat others fairly. Treat, uh, teach your children to follow the path that leads to life. Uh, teach your children to guard their hearts. Today we'll talk about a very important, important topic. Teach your children to avoid sexual sin. Next week we'll talk about teach your children to celebrate marriage and understand the beauty and glory of marriage. And then finally, we'll talk in the days ahead if the Lord has not come and we're here together. Uh, teach your children to avoid what God hates. These have been important days for us. Uh, it's, uh, we've moved along uh, over the time talking about our responsibility as uh, to be godly parents. But my primary focus has been to challenge all of you who are parents and grandparents uh, with this question, how greatly do you care about the souls of your children? If you care greatly about the souls of your children, you're going to focus on these very important topics 
not just when they're primaries, not just when they're students, but when they're grown children. And so as grandparents, great-grandparents, wherever you find yourself along the way. So we come to this topic of talking about sexual sin today. The Bible actually has a lot to say about the importance of how God has uh, designed human sexuality and the relationship of a husband and wife in sex. The Bible talks about the importance for us to understand when we violate God's ways of living in sexual relationship as husband and wife, and it's outside of those bounds, and we live in sexual immorality. There are great harms that come. If you don't talk to your children about sexual matters, if you do not talk to your grandchildren about these issues, I promise you that they'll be trained by their friends and they'll be trained by the world. So we must come back to this with, uh, without apology and speak to these things clearly. So much is in the media, so much is on the movies, so much is on the television, all training and reinforcing the world's way of thinking about these matters of sexuality. Well, we have to talk about them too in the church. It appears that we've not done our job in the past. It appears that parents and grandparents haven't always done their job. So this is a very important topic you find in Proverbs 1 through 9 and also sprinkled throughout the rest of Proverbs a number of warnings about what I'll talk about today. Primarily, we focus on the sexual sin of adultery today. And I'll talk about that. I'm going to make some general comments before we get into some observations. But I want us to read, first of all, from Proverbs chapter 5. Uh, we'll read verses 1 through 14. My son or my daughter, my children, give attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may observe discretion, and your lips may reserve knowledge. Please notice verse 3. And verse number four, there the focus will build around them today. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet, that is the adulteress, men or women, those who commit adultery, their feet go down to death. <clears throat> their steps take hold of Sheol. They do not ponder the path of life. Their ways are unstable and they do not know it. Now then, my sons, my daughters, listen to me. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, from him, from the adulterer. And do not go near to the door of the adulterer's house. Or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. Strangers will be filled with your strength and your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien. And you groan at the final end. When your flesh and your body are consumed and you say, How I have hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ears to my instructors. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Now, Heavenly Father, give us wisdom today to understand your word. How we pray that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our focal truth today is this, that godly parents, we're talking about family matters, but this is true for every Christian in this room. 
whether you are married or not. Regardless of your age, this, this fact is true that all of us who live godly, all of us who are born again, all of us who trust Jesus Christ, but especially if we're going to understand the importance of this matter in our families, godly parents avoid. Godly parents avoid or abstain. Maybe both of those words should be there. Godly parents abstain and avoid sexual sin. And particularly today, we talk about the sin of adultery. And they teach their children to abstain and avoid sexual sin. It's interesting to me that Solomon now is speaking and speaks so much, <clears throat> though we understand his own weakness, though we understand his own failures, as he declares the truth of God's Word beyond his own ability to fulfill it, it's interesting to me how much Solomon talks about this matter of adultery. I can't help but imagine his father David and his mother Bathsheba helped him understand the terrible, awful consequences that come from those who commit the sin of adultery. So as parents here today, I wonder, as, I, as we begin, let me just ask you these few questions, and all of us who are here, actually. Uh, have you uh, spent time with your boys and girls? I understand you have to talk to your boys and girls depending on their age in different ways, but they're at an earlier and earlier age, children are becoming more aware of sexual matters and sexual uh, immorality and perversions. Have you? Are you taking the time, <clears throat> are you doing what you're supposed to do as a parent in talking with your children repeatedly? Not just one time so you say, boy, I'm glad I got that over with. No, 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 no. Do you have regular conversation with your children about the power and the danger of sexual sin? If they go to public school, they're hearing about it all the time. If they go to public school, they're being told to go to this website or this a chat room or this, that, or the other place. They're, they're, they're getting all their training and all their feedback. There's someone teaching them about uh, the idea of what human sexuality is all about. Have you talked with your children about it? Well, if you haven't, you need to. I, I would ask you this very bluntly today. Are you living? Are you here today? Do you hear my voice? Are you listening to me uh, remotely? Are, are you living today in sexual sin? Are you living in adultery? Are you living in uh, sexual sin and perversion and living in immorality? No wonder you're so miserable. No wonder you have no desire for God. No wonder you have no desire for the Word of God. No wonder you have no desire to pray. You don't even have any way to praise God because there is a war taking place on your soul. And it has to do with sexual immorality. Do you understand the power? Do you really understand, my dear friend? The power of sexual sin to destroy your marriage. If you are married today, do you understand the danger, what will happen, and oh, the damage. Oh, the damage in our world. <clears throat> oh, the damage from past generations on children, on husbands, on wives. The damage done. From the sin of adultery. You never recover. And I'll talk more about it in a moment. The consequences of it. Do you really appreciate. The power 
of sexual sin to destroy and damage your children and grandchildren, all of your family, to leave a lasting mark on your family and on your marriages. Do you know that God has designed, and this is for all of our boys and girls, we must teach these truths, boys and girls, students, young adults, those of you who are married and not married, do you understand that God has designed sexual relationships only for people who are married to one another. That's God's design. That's God's design. Did you know that sexual relationships outside of a husband and wife exclusively with each other is sexual sin? Do you know that? Well, that's what's called adultery. You see, adultery is sin against God and others. When you commit adultery to fulfill your own, satisfy your own fleshly desires, you sin in the face of God, who has called this sin, and you also sin against those with whom you commit such sin, and you sin against your own family, your husband, your wife, and your children. I am here today to warn you. I here to remind myself and to remind you all that we have this obligation. The Word of God says clearly, God wrote it in stone. You shall not commit adultery. It is written in stone in the holy law of God to stand for all time. The law of God is holy and stands clear. You shall not commit adultery. The Word of God is clear. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Your neighbor's husband is implied in this. The Lord Jesus reminds us that adultery begins in the heart. It begins on the inside. Everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, adultery is this sexual relationship that people who are married have with someone outside of their marriage. So when adultery takes place, boys and girls see it. They're, they're, they don't understand it. Oh, there's lots of ways that people describe it. This seems to be such a minor issue anymore. For the preacher here to stand and preach on adultery seems to be so insignificant. But I submit to you, it is at the ruin of a majority of families who are having trouble today. This sin is a great sin which plagues our world. It is not only a sin that is seen in the world, sadly, it is seen within the house of God, among God's people. So we must think about this carefully today, and do you understand that God designed... Genesis chapter 2, a man shall leave his father and mother, a woman shall leave her father and mother, and cling to their wife or husband, and the two, this is it, the two will become one flesh. In a sexual relationship between a husband and wife, a marriage is unified, and there comes to be oneness between a man and a woman. It's, it's on the emotional level. It's on the, it's on the desire level. It's on the physical level. You see, all of those things converge. It's the way God designed sexual relationship to be shared only with one person for life in an intimate way that builds and encourages and strengthens that person. And the reason why 
our world is filled with pain and misery is because people have gone in and committed the act of sexual sin and they have all the consequences that go with it because God designed it otherwise. So today we think about this very important topic. This appeal, again, from parents. This is my appeal to you as your pastor. I cannot tell you. I cannot stand here. I've thought about it in all the years of my ministry life. Perhaps the saddest days are days sitting with those who who have either destroyed themselves and their marriages and their families because they have committed this sin of sexual adultery with another. So I appeal to you to hear the Word of God today. Perhaps today you're close to committing this sin. How I pray that what we talk about today will block you, will stop you from the silliness and fantasies and the falsehood that you are believing and that God will protect you and that you'll come back strongly to your own husband and wife and that you'll be also an example of how to live in faithfulness and fidelity and commitment to only your husband and wife on this matter. Well, there are three observations we make from these words. Primarily, I'll go back now to chapter 5, verse 3. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. I want to make one comment about why Solomon uses the woman to describe uh, the worst of immorality, but also the woman to describe the greatest of wisdom. You see, in the beauty of a woman, in the power and influence, and the, and the beauty and, and the way women are created, they have such influence and power. You young women in here today must learn and understand the way you're made and your power of influence over others. Solomon uses the woman not to pick on a woman because women are not the only ones who commit adultery. He's using this as an image, a model, a metaphor. As he writes to these sons, he's speaking of be careful of the adulterous woman. As he was speaking to a daughter, he's talking about being careful of adulterous men. So don't be tripped over that. Learn that he's describing the act of adultery. He's describing the adulterer and what adulterers do and what happens when you do commit adultery. Number one, godly parents, as well as the rest of us who live for Jesus Christ, we avoid the temptation, the, the temptations of sexual sin. You see, you may not be married, but if you commit this sexual sin with a married person, you are an adulterer. You have committed sin. You have destroyed another family's marriage. You have done to someone else great harm. You have sinned against them. Godly parents avoid the temptations to sexual sin and they teach their children this by their own example of avoiding and abstaining from this kind of activity. Godly parents know the bitterness and the danger of committing sexual sin and they teach their children about the bitterness, oh, the bitterness and the danger of sexual sin Uh, Boys and girls, students, don't be tricked by the glamour of the world telling you that that, that sin is, sexual sin is just a wonderful thing. 
Oh no, outside of marriage and the way God designed it, there is great misery and pain. Lifelong misery. And this is the last thing godly parents understand that sexual sin leaves lifelong consequences. I'm simply outlining for you verses 1 through 14 today. And we'll take a few moments and go through these and look at them. First of all, let's come back to this temptation to sexual sin. Oh my, the temptation for the lips. Notice the lips and the speech. The lips and the speech of adultery. The lips of an adulteress drip honey. And smoother than oil is her speech. We have a number of ways uh, that uh, adultery is described. It all, before the act of adultery takes place, there is this attraction to another person outside of our marriage. It does not matter, by the way. I've had some people sit with me. Before. Well, you know, Pastor Mike, I didn't, I, I, I didn't uh, want to commit adultery, but it was just really bad at home. That never excuses this kind of behavior. Just because your relationship at home with your husband or wife is not what it ought to be, rather than you working on that, going and having a sexual relationship with someone else outside of your marriage is sin. And it brings misery, but it all starts with this, this sweet attractiveness, this persuasive seduction that comes between two people who are not married. You see, the adulterer's words are sweet and attractive. They drip honey. The lips drip honey and smoother than oil is her speech. In chapter 2, verse 16, the adulterer flatters with words. In chapter 7, <clears throat> there's a detailed description of the young man who lacked understanding and uh, who did not stay away from adultery. And he describes uh, in this section, chapter 7, uh, verse number 5, that we're to stay away from the adulterers and not listen to their words. The foreigner who flatters with words. Look, this strange attractiveness that comes from an outsider in your marriage is a danger to you. I want to say this to you now, and I want you to listen to me. Regardless of how well you know, and you have friends uh, to your marriage, you husbands and wives, you have friends and couples you gather together, and it's easy to make comparisons between, boy, I wish my husband was more like this one. Boy, I wish my wife was more like this one. And you start to listen to that and other things can go on. This is the way this happens over and over again. Someone starts to talk to you because at home it's not as easy. Let me tell you, whoever these people are, if they are not your husband or wife, listen, they are a stranger and a foreigner to you. They have nothing to do with your life and your sexual life. They have nothing to do with your intimacy. They have nothing to, in a world where men and women work together at, at such levels as never has been. I'm not saying it ought to be otherwise. I'm simply saying this is the reality of our world. And in the days in which things are so promoted as they are about between men and women, the reality that we have to understand today is anybody, even if they're your closest friends, when they start to talk to you in the inappropriate way and try to draw you in and pull you in and persuade you, they are a stranger and they are a foreigner. You must be careful and deliver yourself from the stranger and the foreigner. And that's the way you must treat people 
who are not married to you. You must treat them with respect. You must love them as Jesus would love them. But you are not to give your heart to them and be persuaded by them. Oh, the dangers of temptation. We hear it. We like what's being said. The lips drop, drip with honey. It's smoother than oil. Boy, it's been hard at home. But then you notice here, there's an ending. What happens when you hear it and you commit adultery, there's an ending. There's something that happens after the experience of sexual sin with someone outside of your marriage. And that's the second principle. It is the bitterness and danger of committing this sin. Verse number four. The end, but in the end, she, that is adultery, is bitter as wormwood. But in the end, she, that is adultery, is sharp as a two-edged sword. What must I say to the people of First Baptist Church? Be careful. Beware of sexual sin. Beware of the danger and bitterness of it. You see, the end of the relationship is wormwood. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7, I discovered more bitter than death. Listen, Ecclesiastes 7, 26, I discovered more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are chains. One who is pleasing to God will escape from her. But the sinner will be captured by her. You see, the end of, adult, of an adulterous relationship is bitterness. The end of an adulterous relationship is costly and dangerous. What does it say here? Sharper than a two-edged sword. Proverbs 7 again, talking about this foolish young man who went the way of the adulterer and committed adultery. Suddenly he follows her, that is adultery. And goes like an ox to the slaughter, as one who's in fetters to the discipline of a fool, until an arrow pierces through his liver, as a bird hastens to the snare. Listen to me now, Proverbs 7.23. He does not know that it will cost him his life. When you commit the act of adultery, you do not know. He does not know, she does not know that it will cost you your life. Everything you have built into your marriage relationship, everything that you have done to honor your name and show respect, every bit of it, because of your desire to give in to this passion, you do not know what it will cost you. And oh, the cost lasts for a life, li lifetime. He goes on and says, her feet go down. That is, adult, the adulterous feet go down to death, verse 5. Her steps take hold of Sheol, verse 6. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable and she does not follow it. The adulterer walks down a path that leads to spiritual death and misery. The adulterer does not think about the consequences, only about the passionate desires they have because of their being allured and attracted in. And the adulterer is unstable. You can mark it down. If you commit sexual sin, you have instability in your life. You're not stable. And you're ignoring the terrible consequences of your sin. I give you this, and I can't elaborate, but in 1 Corinthians 6.18, Paul says to the Corinthians, flee immorality. Every other sin that a person commits is outside the body. Notice this. But the immoral man or woman 
sins against their body. You are sinning against your body. Your body is to be, if you're a believer, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. How can you, knowing that you are filled and possessed by the Holy Spirit of God, take your body and commit sexual immorality with another person outside of marriage? We must be warned. Godly parents avoid the temptation to sexual sin. Godly parents know the bitterness and danger of committing sin. Why, you're in your own family. Your own father or mother, your own grandparents may have committed adultery. What's it been like in your family? We must remember the past in order not to repeat it. So what will you leave your children? Will you leave them a legacy of walking with God? And serving Jesus Christ? Or will you leave them a legacy of your sexual perversion and your sexual immorality? Thirdly, godly parents understand. They have a deep understanding of lifelong consequences that come from this sin of adultery. It's all through the Word of God. One of the worst moments in David's life was his committing of adultery with Bathsheba, which led him to kill her husband. To commit fraud at the greatest level. What a sad and horrible thing. You see, the godly warn their children to stay away from the house of adultery. Verse number 8, keep your way far from the adulteress. Keep your way far from them. Do not go near to the door of the house of adultery. I say to this church and to all of you, my dear friends, do not go, do not go to the house and to the door of the house of adultery. You see, the door to the house of adultery is when you go and you listen to the, fl the flattering words draw you to the house of adultery. Uh, of the stranger, the, the house of a, uh, the adulterer, you're drawn to it because of the stranger's kindness and attractiveness that you don't seem to be getting at home. The door of the house of adultery you're about to go through, you yield when you go through that door to sexual enticement and forever are you changed. Verse number nine, you give your vigor to others. You see, adultery takes away your life. It takes away your life. Adultery gives your hard work to strangers. Verse 10, strangers will be filled with your strength and your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien. You see, adultery produces sadness and regret. Verse 11, you will groan in your final end and you will always Always remember, oh yes, you may be forgiven by God. All sin is forgivable under the grace of God. Oh, but to carry the mark of being an adulterer all the days of your life and to face your children when you have done such a deed. You see, regret and pain and then public shame. Verse 14, I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation One. Translation reads, I have come to the brink of utter ruin. This is what, these are the words of regret that come from an adulterer when it's over. I have almost come to the brink of utter ruin and now I must face public disgrace. I talk with um, 
couples about the importance of marriage and remind them that you see, when God designed us to have sexual relationships, it is this two becoming one. It is the best picture I can describe is it's like a piece of scotch tape applied firmly to a piece of paper. You see, this is two becoming one. But you see what happens, the danger of this is, look, you are now joined to one if you're married here. You are committed to one exclusively for life. Boys and girls, God made males and females only to be married to one another. That's the only kind of marriage that God designs, male to female. And God has designed that males and females only in marriage experience sexual relationships. And from this, I've talked to these uh, uh, couples all through these years, just try to peel a piece of scotch tape, firmly applied to a piece of paper, just try to peel it off and just leave the tape. What comes with it? The paper comes with it. You see, any time, this is important for you all, any time you have a sexual relationship with a person, you will carry that person with you the rest of your life. That's why you must pay careful attention to God's design for sexual relationships only in marriage. So what do we remember today? Well, do not go to the house of adultery. Do not go near the door. Get away from the door. If I can appeal to you today, stay away from the house. Are you listening to flattery? Are you being drawn together by those smooth words of someone you think can, is saying? Are you strangely attracted to the stranger and the alien? You're not listening to your husband and wife. They don't say what you want them to say. This person's saying what you want to hear and they're drawing you in. You see, adultery starts in the heart. The Lord Jesus said that out of the heart come evil. Listen, out of the heart come e This is why we guard our hearts last week, Proverbs chapter 4. This is why we guard our hearts. We guard our hearts to avoid sexual sin. The Lord Jesus said, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adultery, and fornication. All sexual immorality starts on the inside and is enhanced by what you look at and what you listen to and who you listen to. Adultery happens when you're attracted and you yield to the flattering, attractive stranger. Put up boundaries at work. Put up boundaries on your phone. Put up boundaries on your email. Put up boundaries in your relationships with others. Make sure that you guard yourself because adultery can happen to anybody. You are not above the act of committing sexual sin and adultery in your marriage, my friend. Uncontrolled sexual desire leads to sexual sin. And Peter reminds us to abstain from fleshly lusts. Why? Because they wage war on your soul. When you are battling your sexual lusts and about to yield to them and you do not kill them by the power of the Holy Spirit every day, they wage war on your soul and keep you from walking with God. They keep you from living for the Lord. They keep you for, from loving God as you're supposed to, for going for God's Word, listening to God's Word. You're thinking more about sexual immorality than you are about godly living. Be careful and watch and kill those desires, they wage war on your soul. And I remind you of this, if you commit adultery, you'll never be able to keep it a secret. 
You'll never be. Oh, it's a secret. No, it's not a secret. God already knows. And as this proverb reminds us, verse 14, I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Now the shame comes. You bring shame upon yourself and you bring shame upon others. It's interesting to me that as sophisticated as the world is and dismissive of sin, adultery still makes the headlines. Still makes the headlines. Well, it must be then within each of us something that says to us, what unfaithfulness, what lack of love and faithfulness that a man or woman married to one man or woman would go outside of that relationship and have sexual relationship with another person or with multiple people. Paul said something, and I know I'm a little bit long, but you, we needed to hear this today, and I make no apologies for my time Paul said something about the importance of avoiding sexual immorality. And for our boys and girls here, especially our students here, you're going to be attracted to all kinds of perversions and immorality as you grow older. And you pay. if you're allowed to be on the Internet, if you're allowed to uh, spend all the time you want on your phone, uh, your friends will send you things you ought not to see. If you have a friend who sends you ungodly sexual things, you ought to remove them from your phone. You ought to get off of that. You ought to quit being friends with them. Because you're learning things you do not need. Listen, the Word of God is warning us about the danger of sexual immorality. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 4. I'll just read it for the sake of time. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God. This is the will of God. Young students here. This is the will of God. Your holiness. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality that each of you know how to possess his own vessel. You need to know how to control your own body, control your impulses, con control your, your desires so that you walk with God, possess yourself and be a vessel of sanctification and honor. You dishonor God in your body when you commit sexual sin, not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. All of these you're learning, students, all these wicked perversions from, they are of the world. They do not know God. If you know God, you know these things are wrong. You know these things are not right. When you hear it, when you see it, immediately, if you're a Christian, you say, this isn't right. This isn't what I ought to do. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity. This ought to be the theme that's marked in all of our hearts in such an impure, wicked world in which we live filled with perversion and ungodliness of all kinds. God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but He has called us to be holy. So what do we do today with all of this? Remove yourself from dangerous relationships that tempt you to sexual sin. That starts with your phone. That starts with the internet. That starts with the places you go and the people you associate with. If your friends want to talk about sexual perversion rather than talk about Jesus, you already know. You already know you don't need to be around those people. Because they will do nothing but give you and feed your flesh and your curiosity to do things. I'm warning you to do things you do not want to do, students. You do not want to commit acts of sexual immorality 
before you're married. You will regret it. You will live to regret it all the days of your life. Your commitment is to keep yourself sexually pure until you are married to the one God has set out for you to be married to. Resist the stranger who flatters you. Is somebody at work saying all kinds of wonderful things that really please you and you just keep wanting to go be by them? It means you probably need to run from them. It means you probably need to avoid them. Well, what if I work with them? Well, then you need to set up some boundaries about who's in there with you when you're working with them. You know, if a relationship doesn't seem right, here's a good way you can check it. What would my wife or my husband think if they were in here right now? That'll help you. That'll help you. What what would my husband or wife think about this conversation I'm having with this person right now? Because you're going to find yourself in all kinds of dangerous places and positions. You're going to listen to all kinds of words. And what about talking with your children about faithfulness in marriage? Boys and girls, you tell your boys and girls, mom and dad are married for life. That's right, you tell them that. Not just married till we get tired of each other. Not just married till we are bored with each other. Not just, ty- not just married until we can't get along and then we go find somebody else. That will make us happy. What kind of comment is it? We hear it all the time. I just want to do whatever. Do whatever you need to do to be happy. You'll never be happy when you do whatever you want to do. You will be miserable. And those who have lived their lives in sexual ungodliness and impurity and immorality are some of the most miserable people in the world because their conscience is accusing them of what God never designed for them to do. Talk to your children about sexual matters as God designed them. God invented sex. God invented it and designed it for the most glorious of all relationships. Marriage between one man and one woman for the rest of their life. Flee youthful lusts. And tonight we remember, today we remember, our purpose is not impurity. Our purpose is not to fulfill our fleshly desires when it comes to sexual issues. Our desire is to commit ourselves in holiness to God. That's why godly parents avoid this temptation of sexual sin. Do whatever they, they run from it. Godly parents know the bitterness and danger of committing it. What did Joseph do? A man's wife, his his trusted boss, who entrusted everything to Joseph in his house. There was this man's wife continually trying to draw Joseph into an adulterous relationship. And what did Joseph say? How can I do this great sin against God? So we read today clearly from the Word of God this warning that we must live by in this wicked world in which we live. My son, give attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end she is bitter as wormwood And sharp as a two-edged sword.